Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5, Voices. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my experience as a professional and having a voice. So I'm going to read the story to you, and then from there, probably take some questions from the audience. There was no way that I was going to write this second season of Black in Nature without discussing my professional experience as an early childhood environmental educator. This past year has definitely had its uniqueness, but I need to acknowledge the experience. I started this podcast over a year ago because of the Christian Cooper's experience at Central Park and the challenge of the hashtag Black Birders Week. This was the same summer George Floyd and civil unrest, meanwhile surviving a pandemic. I have to acknowledge all of these things because over the next six months to a year, I participated in working groups I never imagined, but I was there. But I will admit the faces all look the same, but I was still there. And yes, I had moments of imposter syndrome and this constant reminder to speak up and lend my voice to be there, that you are here. And many conversations with two of my dear friends from AAEE, the Arizona Association for Environmental Ed, LA and Ellen to keep pushing me forward. I just wanna say a special thank you to those two. The frustration to not be heard or just to be misunderstood, but meanwhile, I'm still a voice. There were many tears and talks between my husband, brother, mother and father, and that honestly kept me going and provided me with such rich perspective. My husband ongoing comfort to encourage me to keep going, but sometimes would respond in the typical protective manner of, you don't have to do these things. And I would remind him that, hey, we have had, we have a 12 year old here who's watching and observing all of this stuff in real time too. And I know I don't have to do these things, but the reality is I know that I do. It's about the respect and opening the doors for others, as painful as it can be at times, I have to do it. My brother kept me grounded and focused too. I remember discussing how I felt so displaced in the fields I'm passionate about and the ongoing feeling and constantly, constantly being unique, but not feeling accepted. I remember discussing how I felt so displaced in the fields and I, that I'm passionate about and the ongoing feeling of constantly feeling unique, but not really feeling accepted in this ongoing imposter syndrome feeling. It was in a conversation that he just gave me so much perspective that we grew up like this and you will learn to overcome these matters. You will find your allies. God, that was the best advice he gave me. In reality, this was what I've always done growing up and even into adulthood. But now I needed to apply these same principles in environmental ed, higher education, and any entrepreneurial spaces that I'm involved with. My conversation with my mother also reminded me why I'm at the table in the first place. Show up, lift your voice, and if you're not there, then you and others cannot be heard. Again, another conversation that made me reflect and think about why am I really here? 
I knew she understood my frustration as a former military career woman. I knew she would understand. Then there was the conversation with my dad that always reminded me to love and to continue to care for people and to always be inclusive and that the military world that I grew up in as a child and most of my adult life will serve its benefits and in being inclusive. He reminded me to show up as the educated professional that I am because this cannot be disputed, but most importantly, to focus on inclusion and equity. All great advice that required much reflection. And I managed to keep showing up to various working groups, board meetings, but will be the first to say it was tough and it was painful at times to simply speak the truth and knowing your peers are trying to shift and change in the midst of a cancel culture society. The conversations were not always easy, but I can see from a bird's eye perspective how toxic and politically correct society has impacted how we communicate among each other through video conferencing calls. As I continue to reflect and move forward, I can't help but to be thankful for these platforms to speak my truth, my story, while bringing other stories forward too. What's happened in environmental education in the past year and the various professional projects? Well, I was able to participate in Green School Yards last summer. They put a call out to educators, formal and informal professors, etc., to come to together to develop a framework to help school districts transform their classrooms from indoors to outdoors. And I'm giving the Cliff Notes version. The opportunity to share my public school experience regarding how I brought nature into the classroom to connect with nature outdoors, I was very fortunate to share this story a few times. And there were several other projects that I was able to participate in. I was also able to be a part of a working group with AAAE. We have what's called our JEDI. It's our Justice, Equity, and Diversity and Inclusion group. And the best part about being a part of that working group is that we also were able to participate in professional development to help us understand how some of these judgments and different things play a role in our lives professionally and personally and how they're started. I was also able to be a part of First Things First. And this is where I'm, you know, staying true to the early childhood profession and being able to talk about environmental ed in that space. So there's a lot of great opportunities that I just want to acknowledge. And if I leave anybody off, it's not intentional, but there's just too many to name. But there's no way that I couldn't have this particular episode to talk about um, just the behind the scenes of how I was feeling during those times, because it was not always easy. And there were a couple of times where I may not have showed up to a meeting because it was just honestly just uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, I want to give a shout out to um, Backyard Base Camp. I hope I'm saying that right. And Baltimore, Maryland, and just so many other outdoor environmental educators that I've met that are also people of color that are doing the same things that I'm doing. And I just want to try to acknowledge them as well. Until next time, continue to be blessed in nature.
All right, welcome back everyone. I got some questions from our lovely two-person studio audience. Um, shout out to Angel Storm Studios for supporting and uh, coming up with some amazing questions. All right, so these questions are kind of heavy. I brought my coffee into the frame because um, I may need to sip some coffee. As you can see in the last, this particular episode, I was talking about um, being an advocate, finding my voice. And I think the toughest part of finding my voice in this last year was I was finding it during a time in which everything was shut down for the most part. And I didn't quite always understand some of the feelings and thoughts that I was having. Um, and that's why I wanted to share snippets, cliff note versions, conversations that I had with people that I'm close with and helping me navigate through those times. So one of the first questions that was asked is why imposter syndrome? You know, part of that feeling, um, and it's a feeling, I know that I, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. But when you're in a situation where, um, you're considered, and I'm air quoting, like you're considered an expert, but you don't view yourself necessarily as an expert. I just see myself that's like worked with kids for a really long time. Um, I know what I know based off of experience, things that I've read, professional development training or whatever. But sometimes there's always people at that table that can make you they just can make you feel uncomfortable, like you're not competent or they'll ask very specific questions of you, but they're not asking everybody else those same questions, almost like to prove that you're supposed to be there. Does that happen in 2021? Absolutely. And that's something I experienced. Um, and I didn't really get a clear idea on that until this past year. Do I think some people were intentional? Sure. Do I think some people weren't? Um, I don't think so. I just think that's just my experience. It's not something that I dwell on. It was just something that once I identified it, it's like, okay, how do we move on? And realizing that I've reached a point career-wise that I never thought I would reach it at this age, I feel like I should be much older for whatever reason, but I'm here. And if it wasn't for the advice from my family and friends, I don't know how I would have navigated through those spaces. And over time, I would say, no, I'm not going to attend this particular activity or Zoom call or whatever. I always give things a try. And if I found that the space wasn't for me, it just wasn't for me. You know, somebody else can elevate their voice there. I don't feel like I have to be a part of every single thing. I just want to be a part of the things that I value and that we all collectively are valuing each other at the table. And so there have been some projects that I've just, I've turned down um, for my own personal reasons, because I'm not going to continue to force myself to be in a space that's going to make me feel like I'm being impostered or being used simply because we're in a time culturally where it's, I'm not saying that people of color, we do need to be elevated in so many different levels, 
but it doesn't mean that I have to be used simply because I'm black to do a particular project. It could be anybody that can do a project, but that also is a part of, for me, that imposter syndrome. Like, am I here because you want me to be here based off of experience, or is this because you don't want to be a part of cancel culture? And that's a very tough fine line. So that's why I feel imposter syndrome. All right, my next question, um, what do you see as the biggest reason behind the lack of inclusion and equity? This is a huge question. Um, You know, there's so much, I feel like commentary, research, whatever you wanna say out there about inclusion and equity. And it's, it's a loaded question, but I'll try to answer it as best as I can. Um, if you don't have access to opportunity, then it's hard for things to be equitable and inclusive. So what I mean by that, and this can apply for anybody, any background, whatever color, whatever your background is, if you don't have access to the resources, then you're not going to, it's not going to be equal and inclusive. So some of my experiences, um, I'll just say in public education, especially as a formal special ed teacher. We are at a point that I see locally where I live where everything is inclusive. And it's it's not that I'm against inclusivity as far as um, as a special education teacher. I just want to make sure that the students in the class in the class, my students were getting everything that they would have received if they were in a self-contained class. So, Does that gen ed teacher have the supports and resources to make sure that that every student's learning is equal and inclusive? And most of the time, not. Because they'll say, well, instead of having six special ed teachers, we'll have one special ed teacher that has to service 30 kids across six different classrooms. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this is where things become very unequal because those gen ed teachers are not trained to work with students that have the types of needs of the students that I was working with. So sometimes from my perspective, it's the system. Um, The system is not, to me, from what I've seen and what I've experienced, it's not designed to always be equal and inclusive. Um, And I use the example of just my own public ed experience, especially living in a rural area. We don't have all the resources. So yes, things are inclusive, but they're not always equal. Um, And I think it's a system, not enough money, not enough resources, not enough anything. That's just what I see. I hope that makes sense. Um, Question number three, what was the impact what was the impact using your voice? What has it had? Wow. Another big question. I think I need to sip some coffee. <laughs> um, I think the impact, you know, it's hard to say fully what the impact is because sometimes things you can be a voice, you can be at the table and bring up these ideas but you're not necessarily going to see that impact like today. It's something, it's like a ripple effect. So I think the best part, I think in my mind from being working with young children, I don't always get to see 
the hard work of like working with the three-year-old and how that impacts their life when they're 10. But I know there's an impact. There's some sort of a ripple effect. And if I'm able to cross paths with that child or parent, then I'm able to see like, yeah, I remember when I taught them how to tie their shoe or whatever the case may be. And you can see those traits, you know, as children get older. So I feel like my voice especially coming from the public ed perspective um, and in introducing outdoor education when I was still working in the classroom and being able to share that story really I think is it I think it is already impacting a lot of public schools um, and looking at creating some outdoor education spaces. I'm not gonna say like, oh, it was just my story. No, I think there are plenty of other stories. I just think for, when I think about the green schoolyards, that was one of the things that they had asked me to talk about specifically was that experience. Um, and I know when I look at the framework that was created by hundreds of educators for the green schoolyards, um, outdoor education piece, I know that part of creating it was my story and so many others saying like, yeah, we did it and we were successful. We didn't have to spend a lot of money to do it, but this is how we introduce nature to our students. So there's definitely impact, but I just think it'll be something I'll see down the line. Recently, um, and I'm just honored, shout out to Natural Start Alliance. I was asked to be a part of their leadership advisory and this was another one of those situations where I was scared to speak up about something in a big working group meeting I had no idea that the um I would say like I don't remember her specific title but I would say like she's the CEO of the organization if I could put it that way she happened to be on that particular call and um I had just shared some things and we were talking about advocacy on this particular topic and I just shared my experience in trying to get people on that call to see another perspective and that some of the decisions that people on that call were not that they were bad decisions but they weren't necessarily inclusive so um, at least in my perspective. And that particular individual of that leader, the leader, she reached out to me in the chat and was like, we need to talk and I'm gonna connect you with so-and-so. And a few months later, I was asked to be part of that leadership um, advisory team, not expecting that. But I think part of that happened because I, I spoke up even though I was scared and I think I even not cried, but I just teared up just trying to say what I needed to say. So um, I definitely think my voice has had an impact. And one of the things that they said is that they wanted to have, um, because of what I said, as far as with outdoor education and early childhood, I just said, you know, there's nothing wrong with forest schools. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but I don't have a forest in the desert. And I just think we need to try to represent different regions of this country. You know, people are have programs in Florida. Is there representation down there? Um, there's quite a few of us in the desert, whether it's New Mexico or California or Arizona, 
and we're just we're not at the table um and then those of us with special ed backgrounds so we're just we're trying to do what we can so we can change the narrative from what's currently out there that was a long response all right next question were you ever scared to use your voice i kind of said it in the last answer that i was providing there was a particular working group that i was in and i just i didn't really talk very often i just listened would take notes and i found over time in zoom calls that i was one of those people like if i don't have my camera on and this isn't to be true for all sessions but like if i don't do it do the meeting through my computer and i just do it through my phone that particular behavior for me was like i take the meeting serious but there's something about this meeting that doesn't make me feel comfortable and so that was my way of just kind of like kind of keeping it at a distance but i was still a part of the meeting and on that particular day i decided to show up with my regular laptop like any other meeting and pardon there's just been so much conversation about whether or not um the organization should be talking about social justice i think it was environmental social justice or not and just from my own experience and just sharing with them my particular perspective i'm not going to say it changed everything but I definitely was scared to speak up because who am I to say, who am I to say these things? Um, it was just really, I was really nervous, but I also just couldn't sit there and say nothing at all because the whole point of the working group was to think about what was in the best interest of this organization and how are we going to make sure that what we're working towards in the future is inclusive? And when you kind of exclude certain topics, it just kind of makes you wonder like, well, why are we not working with other organizations? Whatever the case may be, but that was a scary moment. All right, next question. What advice would you give to someone who is scared to use their voice? You know, if you would have asked me a year ago, I probably wouldn't, I don't know what I would have said, but what I have learned is that you speak up. Even when it's uncomfortable, even if you haven't said anything in the past and maybe you were taking notes or listening or, you know, maybe you had some sidebar conversations with your friends because that was also what I would do is I would talk with my friends and say, you know, I was kind of thinking this, this, and this just to run it past someone. Like, am I, am I like off in thinking that? Um, and oftentimes not, it was some of the same things that they may have been thinking and feeling too, but just didn't say it, or they've always been the talker of the group and they were just tired of people not listening. But Ironically, as much as I talk in those particular circles, I find myself being silent. But if you're in a space and you're representing a population or whatever, you're there because you you have a voice and that has to be heard. And if you're not talking about it, then who else is going to do it? And so you serve a bigger purpose and it's bigger than yourself. So don't be afraid and 
just say what you have to say. The last one, and this is interesting, it's not really a question. And I will say, I'm going to give a shout out to my friend, my dear friend, Ellen, because we had a huge conversation about this. She said, it's not your job, D, to make people feel comfortable. And that is a hard pill for me to swallow. I'm not going to lie because I, you know, growing up military and just me as who I am as a person, I like to be very respectful of people. I, I'm not trying to go against the grain, but the reality is, is that sometimes I'm going to say something that is not going to be comfortable and it's not nothing personal. It's just, it needs to be said. And like I said, in answering these other questions, that moment when I spoke up was because of that conversation with Ellen. She's like, enough is enough with this nonsense. And she would just remind me that it's not, I don't need to feel guilty because I said what I needed to say. Because everyone else on the call is saying what they need to say. Do you think they're going back home and feeling guilty? Absolutely not. We're all professionals and we're all going to say something that other people don't agree with. And, and it's okay that we don't agree, but at least we can talk about it find some common ground and compromise and move forward. So for me, it's not intentional to make people feel uncomfortable, but it's not my job to make you feel comfortable. At the end of the day, I'm all for, I'm a huge advocate for children and for families. And I may say something that is just really raw and really uncomfortable, but it has to be said. So that's how I'll respond to that statement. But if you want to find out more of what I'm up to, or if you want to see a blog or a podcast or whatever, you can go to my website at DeannaReeseWilliams.com. And until next time, friends, continue to be blessed in nature. <music>